Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Welcome everyone to the um, presentation of our FY22 uh, annual results. I'm super happy to, to have uh, so many of you here today. Uh, look forward to taking you through the presentation. I'm going to take you through a summary of the year. Ollie will then come and talk to you about financials and ESG numbers. As you know, we prioritize ESG alongside our financials. I'll take you through our commercial and impact vision, taking us through to uh, March of 2025. I'll go through some operational highlights and associated outlook, and then we'll go to questions. Um, so moving on rapidly through to the summary of the year. And so delighted to report revenues of 79.7 million up 58% on the year before and up 16%, including 16% on a like-for-like organic basis. Adjusted EBITDA at 12.2 million, up 72% on the year before, EPS up 52%. And, you know, as people who've uh, heard us speak before know that we're very focused on on cash generation, cash conversion, and I'm pleased to see um, 110% cash conversion ratio through the the period. We saw our workforce grow by 22% to over 600 people with 47% of our workforce being women, the numbers that we'll run through on the ESG side, but one that I'm always particularly proud of is the carbon intensity per million pounds of revenue, uh, down pretty much 9% uh, year on year. This is quite tough to do, um, and I'm really proud that we focus on this as a, as a key measure as we continue to grow. Um, we kick-started about 1,200 careers versus our goal of reaching 5,000 by, I think it's by, my, by March 25. And our people donated some nearly 2,000 hours. Um, we give our people two days to donate on an annual basis. And so we're, we're delighted with that and some of the, the organizations that we've supported through that. In terms of our revenue, the sectors we operate in, commercial sector 28%, government 58%, NGOs 8%, and charities, trusts, and foundations 6%. Further split of that, you see that central government was 35, local government 17, health was 9, and you can see the other sectors there. In terms of the market that we sell into, the digital transformation market, particularly in the UK, particularly in public sector, there are a few things here. So firstly, spend in public sector in the UK on software and IT services grew by 9.9%. Last year, split into three different segments that we operate in. So so consulting, solutions and operations. Obviously, we're not a software company. Um, You can see the split there that they grew by. Um, and, you know, forecasters continue to, to um, increase at circa 5% a year um, for the coming uh, few years as well. But the big thing is that the chart you see on the bottom right hand side there, which is the blue and green, blue being the spend on new cloud based modern architectures, modern technologies, and green being the spend on old legacy products and services. And as you see, in 2022, we crossed over the 50% mark for the first time. And, you know, bear in mind that we as a company tend to operate only in that blue space and don't have any legacy operations. That's the market that we're selling into, which is why at a macro level, kind of regardless of what's going on in the world around recession or any of the other issues that are going on right now, government will continue to spend on modernizing what it needs to spend on modernizing its underlying technology if it's to achieve its policy goals um, going forward, regardless of which government is in, regardless of which prime minister comes in in the next, in the next few weeks and what their kind of individual policy uh, priorities might be, the underlying infrastructure has to change to meet the needs of of a modern society. Uh, Moving on, some of our clients on here, 
you know, we're, we're super proud to, to continue to focus on clients where we can deliver the biggest impact. And impact isn't just pretty obvious, I guess, that you deliver impact when you work in public services. But even in, in clients like HSBC, you know, one of the things that we're doing in there is working with them to get their global people data so that they can begin to address some of the DE&I challenges that they face within their organization. So impactful work at, at that level as well. And, and you, know, you see a, a real spread there across um, uh, local government, not-for-profit, central government, um, and a whole bunch of sectors. For example, utilities there in the bottom right with Wales and West. Moving on to where we are today. So those of, of you who've followed us for a long time know that we've been kind of building this jigsaw puzzle of capabilities to deliver on a holistic transformation offer. I'm really happy to say that we are now in a position where we can claim to be a full service, holistic digital transformation company with a capability of delivering everything from organization design and change at one side, right the way through to running services on a managed service basis on the other and everything in between. And the acquisitions, which we'll talk about later around of peak and swirl which are post period ends that just we, we close those just after the um the um the year end um both you know have really filled out that um that capability for us so um, you know and as a consequence of all of that and moving on to the next slide as a consequence of all of that we can deliver some really spectacular work i mean welsh ambulance service trust is a good example of you know really the kind of work that we'd love to roll out in other parts of the country uh, of the uk and, um, and I'm sure actually would be much needed. I mean, in there, what we're able to do is offer the Welsh Ambulance Service Trust, give them a real-time view, actually refreshed every 60 seconds, review of where all the ambulances are across Wales, um, but also give them a, an overlay view of where there's capacity in, in A&E departments so that they can route ambulances to where there's capacity. So you kind of try and avoid these queuing up things that we've seen in the news many times in, 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 um, in recent weeks. Uh, UNICEF has been a wholesale change in the way that that organization works. Their way of working has completely changed, um, resulting in significant improvements in efficiency, significant improvements in staff satisfaction, um, and a really super happy client there. And, you know, obviously, you know, hugely impactful. And then Rural Payments Agency is another example. We took over, this is several years now that we've been running this. And in fact, post period end, we just took another renewal and a project to replatform. Um, but Rural Payments Agency um, was previously being run by another company at a cost of 34 million pounds a year. And actually it didn't work very well. We took it over, rebuilt it, um, re-architected it and been running it on an ongoing basis since then. Um, substantially more um, uh, run far, far better than it ever has been and uh, in terms of payments made to landowners and farmers um, and being run for um, 5.5 million a year so 28 and a half million pound a year saving for um, for you um, all as taxpayers so um, so look, that's a quick overview uh, I'll hand over to Wally. Thanks very much Neil um, good afternoon everyone nice to see you uh, I don't think there's ever been a more appropriate slide uh, or picture on a slide than, than that one, uh, given today's uh, weather. I hope everyone is um, safe and, and well and not melting too much. I think it just highlights, again, you know, us presenting our financial and ESG uh, messages together side by side. It's core to who we are, that we believe in profit and purpose side by side. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, never a more appropriate day to reflect on that than, than today. That aside, so in terms of the financial results, it's been an incredibly strong year again. We've seen revenue increase 58% and 79.7 million. 
that includes like for like organic growth of 16%, the remainder of the growth coming from acquisitions, full year impact of acquisitions in FY21, plus part year impact of Red Cortex and Nudge. The adjusted EBITDA was up 72% to 12.2 million, incredibly strong performance there. And we saw EBITDA margin increase by 1% to 15%, largely as a result of that cost base remaining flat as we've grown revenue. In terms of adjusted profit after tax, that was 8.7 million in the year, up 67%. We also made our first statutory profit, although from, you know, again, I I reflect that the statutory numbers are, are not necessarily the most relevant um, uh, metric to, to, to look at us based on, uh, and we'll cover a bit more of that in a minute. Uh, that prof- profit translated into a significant increase in EPS, um, up 52% to 9.4p. I'll talk through that calculation in a bit more detail. Cash, uh, cash conversion remained strong, so we saw very strong cash conversion at 110%. Cash at the year end was 7.9 million. Uh, we saw an increase in net debt from 7.3 million to 10.1 million, largely as a result of the acquisitions we made in the year, um, where cash outflow was circa 8 million pounds, um, which was then supported by an increase in our banking facilities. Worth noting that post period end, um, we have extended our uh, uh, RCF facility from 20 million to 30 million, giving us 11 million pounds worth of headroom uh, for further acquisitions. Interestingly, it's also a sustainability linked loan. Um, which gives us some um, margin relief uh, if we hit our sustainability goals, which again aligns our profit and purpose, uh, which is good. Uh, in terms of sales backlog, this increased 5.6% to 41.2 million. Uh, given the other scale of the metrics, I guess this looks disappointing, but in reality, it's just a timing discrepancy. Um, at the end of last year, we had a number of large contracts that have recently been tendered. Obviously, um, they have been spent and drawn down over the course of FY 2022 and into uh, FY 23, and, and we're looking to retender those. So, um, yeah, that, that's just the timing of, of some of those large contracts and the spend coming off of those um, off, off of those contracts. Uh, we're also pleased to announce a dividend up 50% year on year to, to, to final dividend of 0.6p per share, um, up from 0.4, taking a full year dividend to 0.9p per share against 0.6 in the prior year. The next slide just shows you a little bit of an overview again for anyone who's new to the story of where we've come from and, and, and where we've got to. So significant uh, CAGR for, for both revenue and, and EBITDA. Obviously, uh, Neil will talk through our commercial vision later on in this presentation. We're looking to scale to 200 million run rate revenue by March of 2025. In terms of the divisional revenue split, you can see that the majority of revenue currently sits in, in our consulting, sort of public, which is predominantly public sector focused with platforms and managed services making up the next higher sector before the yeah, IC experience DX at 19% and international at 14%. In terms of the revenue breakdown, this largely reflects similar positions we showed at the half year. So about yeah, north of 30% of our revenue is, is recurring. So rolling contracts that continue month on month. And we see a high proportion of repeat customers year on year. Um, we always do, again, digital transformation agenda continues for our customers if we do a good job we tend to get invited back and then in terms of new public and new commercial the interesting point here is that for the first time ever we've we've seen an increase in the new commercial sector or more more commercial work than, than public sector work uh, and that's reflected in the fact that we yeah we've got three commercial clients that should deliver more than three million revenue this current year uh, for us in terms of adjusted EBITDA to statutory EBITDA some of the uh, adjustments between those two numbers. 
So uh, we've got some costs relating to acquisitions, but nudge and peak, and then we had a, an aborted acquisition as well. In terms of the costs relating to the change program, they're largely as a result of implementation of new software and processes uh, and organizing the group um, to scale to sort of its next goal of 200 million, some share-based payments. And then you've got a gain in the change on fair value of contingent consideration. This is basically historic relates to previous acquisitions where we had earnouts in place. Uh, and in this case, um, we overestimated the amount of consideration that would be payable and that ends up in a, a profit number for the year. That should largely disappear from next year. In terms of cash flow, pull out a couple of key items in here. We had uh, discontinued operation in the year, which from a cash flow perspective was about 1.6 million of cash. That was Greenshoot Labs. Greenshoot Labs is our, uh, was a conversational AI business that we successfully spun out and raised £4 million for to go off on its own journey in May. Uh, and that obviously will, will come out of reduce any cash outflow from that business won't be going into the current year. We touched on the acquisition, so net cash out of 7.2 million. Um, that's 8 million less some of the cash that we received as part of the acquisitions. Um, and the other number I just highlight is that increase in banking facilities uh, by 5 million. We increased from 13 to 18 million pounds worth of drawdowns with HSBC during the year, but overall a, a net positive increase in cash, albeit uh, increase in our net debt position. Just a quick reconciliation, looking at our adjusted profit before tax from our statutory number. Again, this is why you know the statutory profit has ne never been a particularly appropriate number to, to measure us on. So we've got significant uh, amortization charge going through the PL as a result of our acquisitive uh, strategy. Um, so when we acquire businesses, we have to allocate the purchase price against goodwill uh, and intangible assets. Historically, goodwill would be reviewed for impairment. Um, uh, and um, now and now you have to allocate significant value of that against intangibles, which gets written over, written off over a period. So that charge is, is not dependent on performance. The, um, we've actually got a profit on the fair value movement of contingent consideration, as I mentioned before, against a significant loss in the, in the prior year. Again, it's non-cash. Uh, and just reflects um, accounting estimate changes. Um, Sale-based payments, we've seen a slight increase as a result of uh, some uh, incentives we put in place for senior management, as well as some of the teams that have come in as part of the acquisition. Um, we've got the costs associated with acquisitions and restructuring and the costs relating to the change program in there, as I mentioned before, bringing you down to an adjusted profit before tax of 10.9 and an adjusted profit after tax of 8.7. Uh, in terms of adjusted earnings per share, uh, taking that uh, profit after tax number, then looking at the um, uh, diluted, fully diluted number of shares, we've got a weighted, weighted average basic share number of 84.5 million shares in the year. We've got the options of 3.7 million decreased on year as a result of some um, exercising uh, this time roughly a year ago. Um, and uh, then we've got the maximum number of shares to be issued uh, as a result of previous acquisitions, significant fall in that year on year, obviously as a result of us issuing shares in year. Um, that number, 4 million shares, would drop down to about uh, 2 million of shares based on, on current share prices where they stand today. But yeah, really pleased to see a significant increase in, in, in EPS. In terms of our ESG results, um, another you know, great year on that front too. We continue to support um, lots of well-paid jobs uh, in the UK. We've got uh, employee base up to 606, 63 new jobs created in the year, uh, which is really good. 
uh, in terms of our sort of representation, really pleased that we've seen a significant increase in our ethnic minority representation. Actually, we're now in line with the full population of the UK. In terms of female representation, we've seen a, a minor decrease, but we're still in you know, very good shape around that, up close to 50%. We continue to support charities. I think we invested £59,000 in the current year, uh, was given away to charities, um, and we've seen significant hours donated, as, as Neil touched on earlier. We've increased our entrepreneur programme, our future leaders programme, uh, and took in two cohorts in the year, including a, a, a black focused cohort on the back of the Black Lives Matter movement. Seeing a decrease in our tons of carbon per million of revenue, as Neil touched on. So all of that is positive. Uh, and we've seen a slight increase in our public sector services. In terms of yeah, what we've done and, and what's in progress from a people perspective, we've launched new benefits. We, we've given people increased holiday and brought in some other sort of healthcare benefits, which is great to see. And we've in, in, created some employee forums and some employee resource groups to ensure that we provide as an inclusive uh, environment as possible for our, for our teams. Uh, and recently, sort of in the in-progress bit, we've just been through some inclusive leadership training for our senior leadership teams, which will have a significant future impact on the organisation, positive impact on the organisation for many years to come. In terms of planet, We've launched our yeah, climate employee resource group and we've um, committed to donate 1% of, of revenue to planet related projects. We've had 12 employees switch to an EV scheme, which is good. We are in the current year, we'll be paying back all historic emissions for the company. From a community perspective, we've implemented a new tool to ensure that community opportunities are being put in front of our employees and that, that they can we can track and measure that and encourage people to continue to give back to their local communities um, uh, and as I mentioned we've donated £59,000 through investment and giving programmes in the year. In terms of our vision I will hand over to Neil, thank you. Great, thanks Ollie. Um, right, I'm going to take you through the um, 2023 and 2025 commercial vision first. Some of you will already know that we'd set ourselves a goal of being 100 million on a run rate basis by March of 23, delivering 12 to 14 million EBITDA. You know, super pleased to announce that we've achieved that a year ahead of plan in March of 22. And so we set ourselves a new goal of becoming a, um, a 200 million uh, revenues on a run rate basis by March of 25. The others kind of largely remain the same. We, we still intend to keep leverage low. We're committing to keeping leverage below 1.5 times preferable EBITDA, although our preference is actually near a one. It might spike at 1.5 just after a particular acquisition potentially in the future, but then we'd look for to see that come down again. We don't want to be an over-leveraged organisation. Did you have a strong pipeline of acquisitions? Did you deliver an aggressive dividend policy as Ollie's talking you through? We're incredibly focused on cash generation. And I think one of the new ones there on the commercial vision is to become a top 20 public sector supplier in the UK by 2025, um, which, you know, from our perspective, the reason we have that as a goal is we want a seat at the top table. We believe that so much of what goes on in and around digital in the UK government is incredibly inefficient. A new approach is required. We believe we are the, 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 the organisation to bring that new approach. Recently published a new book, um, Multiplied. Um, which is talking to government about the opportunities um, there to, to use digital to deliver higher levels of impact. Uh, and we'd, we'd certainly like to see that um, follow through. So the next slide is our impact vision that we sit along, sits alongside our commercial vision. So 
as we look towards 2025, working towards halving the 21 representation gaps. Worth noting that from our perspective, we don't believe in quotas. And so it's all about really working much harder from a recruitment perspective to make sure that we've got a diverse uh, pool to recruit from so that we recruit the very best people. We're always focused on recruiting the very best people and achieving those um, representation targets. Um, Leave No Trace is kind of largely obvious. And I talked earlier about, you know, our goal of kickstarting 5,000 digital careers. And as you saw already, we're, we're really in a strong position to exceed that goal by 2025 as well. So if I move then on to operational highlights for the year and the move to a single brand. So let me pause there and kind of describe to you why we want to move to a single brand. Um, you know, if you look at the organizations that we had acquired, they've done really well. The numbers so far have been brilliant, um, as you've seen from the, the compound annual growth rates that you've seen um, that, that Ollie presented a bit earlier on. The reality, though, that is that those smaller companies have sort of reached their limits, right? They've begun to top out. And, and as we sort of hope, closed in on that 2023 goal, a year ahead of plan of reaching 100 million run rate revenue, it was super important that we you know, we started to look at what were the, what were the limiters, what, were the, what was going to inhibit us and stop us from becoming a multi-hundred million uh, revenue organization in the future. And what we could see is that, you know, those companies are, you know, like most smaller entrepreneurial companies, had typically massively underinvested in, in business support, business enablement. They were typically over-reliant on some key individuals from an operational perspective, they typically didn't have operational software that could really scale. And, you know, really, this group was a group that ran a lot of spreadsheets and was, you know, massively inefficient in many, many ways. And so last year, we made the decision, we bit the bullet and said, right, the, you know, the thing that we've got to become is a single integration organization. We've got to, grow, got to grow up as a company. We've got to put the systems and processes into place. We've got to have the back, back office that enables us to scale um, and become that organization. So this is way more than a simple rebranding this is actually a move to a, a whole new business organization and you know we can see huge benefits that come from it you know we have a platform that we continue to build on that will enable us to become hit that 2025 goal and beyond we want to become a professional organization with really the best in class operating processes we want a brand that's known for the breadth of capability that we have uh, we want a better employee value proposition, and we were able to put the majority of our people onto a new employment contract um, in the second half of last year, which gave them 30 days of holiday, um, a series of maternity and paternity benefits, and a series of other benefits as well around, around ways of working. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately, it's been about allowing us to win bigger deals. I was with the chief exec of Digital Health and Care Wales last week. Um, able to pitch this end-to-end -end capability and you know the level of excitement of finding a company that can actually deliver you know we've got proven ability already to deliver a small program relatively small program of work for them we now have an ability to really scale that and become a much uh, more significant supplier to them across all of their uh, strategic imperatives um, and and that you know ties to the next bit which is the ability to deliver societal level change the things like the um, welsh ambulance service trust, those kind of case studies or rural payments agency, those kind of case studies are what we're all about. It's what, why people come to work is to make those kind of things happen. So that's why the move to single brand. So where are we at with it? So we're split into three current divisions, consulting, digital experience and international consulting. You can see the, the, the companies there that came together to create that. Realistically, the 
crown one is Stuart from Arthurly. And that had already merged with Foundry 4, as did Human Plus. Disruption had already been folded in as well, so as had Amio. So really, this was a combination of all of those companies to create the consulting division today. Digital Experience was the three um, brands, Manifesto, Decent and Nudge, that came together um, to create the Digital Experience division. Um, international, so Questers um, and Benaguer. Benaguer has already now rebranded to um, TPX Impact. And actually, interestingly, since doing that, as one of the first projects in a while using the, uh, using the uh, extended capabilities of the group um, and had sold a data analytics project into, into one of their clients since the rebranding. Um, others to do, keep it simple, uh, kits, um, Red Cortex, Peak Indicators and Squirrel are still to be integrated. But the real story there is the set of integrated products that allow us to deliver on and become, you know, an organization that's gone beyond the spreadsheet. So NetSuite, our new ERP system has been rolled out across those divisions. Um, Pipedrive and HubSpot CRM. So we have, you know, a much closer consolidated view of our total pipeline. I can now go to my phone for the first time ever um, and have a look at things like pipeline and deals on the pipeline and see where they're at. Um, you know, that prior to this was a, was a manual process. Um, and from an HR perspective, both an African tracking system that operates across the entire group. So we can see a holistic view. We can begin to see data like time to close a, a, um, a vacancy, um, as well as Bob, which is our single platform for people to, for us to gain statistics from our, uh, from our people function, but also um, people to book holidays and all those, all those kind of things are now there and in place and can scale. So, which is what this whole thing has been really been about so um in terms of you know how have we done so far and what have we done how, how far into that program are we you see that we've obviously got some more brands to integrate more work to do but what have we done last year we created the new brand more work to do around our ways of working and our brand promise and that's going on at the moment we have rolled out those new systems that i talked about we've rolled out the new integrated organization we have nine hub locations across the uk we've got new functions around growth bid marketing and finance an accountability framework and we've won a set of awards we won the ir society's small cap awards um we won um uh, diversity and um inclusion uh, award and the esg reporting award as well um in terms of things to do always lots to do you know we've got a target of hiring 157 people this year we've achieved 41 in q1 which is a really great result or you know, congratulations to our recruitment team for doing such a great job there um, we've undertaken a slight rationalization of some of the costs. As you know, when you bring all these organizations together, it's quite easy to end up with costs not quite aligned to where you want them to be. So we've done some rationalization there. We've got the integration of recent acquisitions. We've got some proposition work to do. The proposition work will enable us to really dig into that gross margin. We've got the early stages of Academy working. We've got to scale that. You know, we've got more process improvement to do. We've got more brand investment to do. We've got a you know a ton of work. The, really, the big goal for us from an operational perspective and from a financial perspective has, has got to be to get uh, professional service automation software, and that will enable our delivery managers to really have the levers in their hands to be able to control project profitability, um, for us to really optimize resources and making sure that we've got the right people on the right projects um, so that you know we're, we're delivering on our, on our commercial goals. Um, and BCOP Cert, we've applied for BCOP certification. Our audit, our own internal audit, has a scoring 91 for, with a pass mark of 80. 
There is a delay for B Corp though at the moment of sending auditors out for some reason, but we continue to hope and you know wait for them to do that. And hopefully we'll become a B Corp as soon as possible. So Outlook, firstly, you know, actually Q1 has been brilliant, 20 million of new business one. Which if you consider all the things that have been going on within the organization, that's such a great win for us. Um, we have at least now at least three commercial clients that are delivering, expected to deliver three million or more this year, which is a, a you know, huge leap for us. Um, there is a huge opportunity for us in and around Microsoft. Um, you know, we've never taken a holistic approach to the Microsoft partnership. We now begin to do so. We begin to see uh, opportunities that come from that, as well as the data um, capability that we now have. Um, and overall, you know. Our challenges are our challenges and nothing to do with the kind of external market that's out there. We believe from an inflation perspective, our increase in efficiencies will help us address and, and counter any inflationary pressure that we might find ourselves under. The market itself, you know, digital transformation, as we said earlier, is continuing to grow at a great pace. It would be fair to say that um, April and May were challenging. You know, uh, the old phrase of, um, you know, a, a plan has never succeeded or never never managed to stay the same in the, in the face of the enemy or whatever it is. Or I think Mike Tyson did it better, which was um, your plan for the fight never survives a first punch in the nose or whatever it is. Anyway, 1st of April, we operated as a new combined company for the first time. And that's when we found a whole heap of challenges. Um, so as a consequence of that, our April and May revenue and EBITDA were challenging. Um, however, we've been working really hard in those months to begin to fix those issues. And we see um, trading improvement back into June and further improvement with cost consolidation into July. So we will be heavily second half weighted. We still have great confidence in our ability to deliver the year. 97.4 revenue, 13.7 million EBITDA. Um, leave it open to questions. Thanks very much, Neil. And the first question, I think Ollie covered this a little, but contracted sales backlog only increased 5% to 41.2 million from 39 million. Um, firstly, why were you not able to increase the backlog more? And secondly, is 100 million run rate for this year still realistic? Sure, no problem. Shall I take these? Just, I, I'll answer the next one down as well. I think um, we've touched on all of these points that um, backlog is largely as a result of timing of, of major contracts that had only just been won at the end of uh, FY21 that we've obviously been drawing down in, in the current year um, and that are yet to be retended. So that's that's had the main impact uh, on that circa 10, 10 to 15 million in terms of the impact of that on the backlog number. Um, uh, and then we also, you also asked about the Q1 number, so Neil touched on that, it was 20 million, that was announced uh, against 18.6. I think the, the, the key point there is that we've increased our recurring revenue streams uh, over that period of time, um, uh, which, which again support uh, support the run rate revenue. Um, and, I, uh, and as you asked, the, in terms of the 100 million, yeah, we, we remain confident of, of achieving that in the current year. Thank you. And in your last presentation, you said you wanted to sign at least one three million contract per month. Is that now being achieved? Um, we've had a great start to uh, the year. We've, we've certainly done two. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to look through the list. Um, we've certainly done two. And um, yes, we have an ambition to get to one per month. Um, and I'm confident we'll get there. Excellent. Thank you. And in regard to the change programme, what, if anything, didn't go smoothly? Um, it's look. It's really, really challenging to deliver on this. You've got to 
group of small companies, um, people who typically join small companies, join small companies for a reason. They want to work there and um, in that kind of environment. And they, you know, they, they tend to be quite um, um, worried about um, what the company is going to become once it becomes larger. Is it going to become this bureaucratic nightmare? Is it going to become, am I going to suddenly find myself um, feeling like I'm disconnected from the mission of the organization? Um, do I feel close to the where the action is? All of those things. And I think, you know, we have done okay in some of those areas, but we could have done much better there. The biggest challenge is to establish the new culture. And it's really hard to establish a new culture where you're not face to face with people all the time. Um, you know, I, I personally think that's really difficult. Um, you know, and we've actually just hired an internal comms manager and the impact that they're having is is actually pretty good. And we begin to see some of the impact of, of that. Um, but yeah, I would say that the, the hardest thing is, is, is being culture and getting to a new culture and getting to everybody behind the mission for what, what, what this organization is trying to do. Tremendous. Thank you very much. And you mentioned progress with Microsoft. Where do you see this going in terms of revenue and market positioning? So Microsoft, we see as a significant opportunity. None of our, our companies weren't treating, we weren't treating the Microsoft relationship holistically. So one of the biggest things um, that's important to people who work in Microsoft is revenue attribution of, um, of Azure spend. So what that means is there's a partner in a client um, organization, that client organization is spending however much they're spending on Azure, that, get, that spend gets attributed to the partner. Um, and, um, you know, there's actually a pretty simple process within Microsoft of having your client attributed spend and, and reporting that and recording that. We weren't doing that, haven't been doing that in a consistent fashion across the company. Um, and we haven't had a single relationship owner across Microsoft. Um, that, and and that, those are both things that we are going to, um, th those are both things that we're going to address or working hard to address right now. Uh, we believe that Microsoft is 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 expecting us, or, or sorry, not expecting us. Microsoft is um, from the conversations that we've had are excited to work with us, um, and we think we can develop some joint propositions that will improve, um, will help us improve revenue growth as well. Thank you very much. And what areas are you looking at for the next acquisition or acquisitions? So there's a few. So the first thing is we want to be able to leverage. You know, we want to be sure that we can leverage the relationships for further to sell the capabilities, uh, the extended capabilities to into that client base of that organization. Um, and um, uh, and remains, you know, adds to our capability in, in, in some way. So, for example, we're we're strong on Microsoft. We're maybe not so strong on AWS. We're certainly not strong at all about um, uh, we're certainly not strong at all on, on GCP. That would probably be something that we might want to look at. We want to move up the value chain. I mean, we, I, I can tell you, we, you know, we see such terrible situations occurring in, in public sector in particular. I would love for us to be in a conversation at a much more senior level um, for us <coughs> to be able to be, start influencing that. And there are companies out there that are selling their services into, into that uh, much higher in the value chain. I'd love for us to be there as well. Uh, so those are some of the areas.
Thank you very much. And are you going to wait for the share price to improve before any further acquisitions, which will involve equity, either 100% or in part? No, we, we are. Um, we, we've moved to a model that is part cash, part shares. Um, we do see ourselves, um, you know, um, potentially moving to a model that is 50% cash, 50% shares. Um, you know, every acquisition that we make, even at the valuation level that we're at today, will be accretive. So we'll add shareholder value, we'll add to EPS. And that is the thing that we're absolutely focused on is continuing to add to EPS. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're not going to slow down and wait where we see the right opportunity. We will continue to move on that right opportunity. Tremendous. Thank you. And can you talk a little about how you see staff utilisation and use of contractors for the coming year? Yeah, so this is one of the efficiency opportunities that we see. You know, some of our companies weren't, um, they, they weren't um, um, tracking time properly. In fact, you know, one or two of our companies, there was somebody in the middle that was doing all the time tracking for everybody. Um, they kind of knew where everybody was, and so they'd fill in their timesheet for them. And that became the norm. You know, as you scale, you can't do that. You need individuals. Um, to, you, you, you need individuals to um, to do their own time tracking so that you capture that time efficiently. And it's, you can just imagine that if you're not capturing your time on the day itself, then the opportunity for revenue loss or revenue leakage is is amazing. And um, you know, and and so just just that one move of, of really pushing through to timesheets and making sure every individual on billable work um, does track their time properly, accurately, on time, um, so that we are capturing that. So, um, you know, we see improvements in utilisation as a consequence of that. Tremendous. Thank you very much. And that's obviously an example. But can you give any other examples of what's changing that will result in a stronger revenue performance in half two? And what's your organic growth expectation for this year? So our, our organic growth expectations for the year remain as per a commercial vision of 10 to 15 percent like for like organic. I think analysts have 10 percent modelled in um, and we, we anticipate hitting um, that expectation at, at the very least. Um, in terms of what we're doing differently and, um, you know, what, what's happening. So firstly, a, um, a growth team that's firing on all cylinders, a, you know, growth, a sales organization that's um, really focused on um, making sure we take our message to our existing clients. That, that is, you know, by far and away, you've seen the revenue bridge early on of kind of recurring, repeat um, and, and net new. You know, that by far, that, that repeat piece is where the biggest growth opportunity is. We've got the relationship, we've got on the framework, we've got um, everything in place. We need to be selling our entire capability or broader capability into that. And, you know, a really strong focus on that, including my, myself. So I've, you know, I've probably met three of our largest clients in the last week. Um, when we were a holding company model, I typically didn't meet those large clients because it was each, hold, each company had its chief exec and they held the relationship and it was kind of them that was driving it. You know, in this model, um, we can bring that story together. I mentioned I was with the chief exec of Digital Health and Care Wales. I was with Legal and General. I'm with DEFRA on Monday. Um, you know, the, the opportunity for us to really scale that is, is there. And that's, that's, that's what's driving the confidence in the year is those conversations that I'm having 
with those clients that are literally laying out opportunities in front of us. Tremendous. Thank you. And that's the end of questions. But there's just a comment saying, great job, guys. Please pass on thanks to all the staff. Thanks, Scott. Just like just say thank you to that. <laughs> Neil, do you have any closing remarks? Um, no, uh, I, I, yeah, I guess, you know, we delivered a great year. We've now delivered um, a series of years um, where we've we've delivered to pretty much ahead. You know, we've we've increased expectations during the course of each of the years. Um, I have to say that this year, the beginning has been quite challenging. I have every faith in in our management team to um, uh, that they've already begun to address the issues. We saw the issues. We're already addressing the issues that we saw. Um, you see that playing through in the in the uh, June numbers, and we see that playing out in some of the things that we're doing into in, into July and beyond. I see, I mean, meeting those clients has been just phenomenal in terms of validation of um, of what we're doing. Seeing them, you know, I was as I say that the, the chief executive of Digital Health and Care Wales, an organisation with a considerable budget, and you know, Wales spends something like ten billion on healthcare. The Welsh government does, um, and and you know the outcome of that was. A, um, a, a four-hour workshop with her leadership team to map um, their strategic priorities um, with our capabilities and see what we can do for them. I mean, you just don't get those opportunities typically. And, and, and so, you know, we're super excited for the year ahead. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.